Robin, hello. Hello, Tim. I wish I had an accent to go with you. You know, like, God, I just love your accent. I was hello. I should say hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if, if you want to do this podcast, we can swap. Although um, I have been told I've got a radio voice, so there you go. I've got something. Definitely. <laughs> if if you want to swap, and you can be British, and oh, I'll I'll swap into my Canadian accent, eh? Oh. Yes. We yeah, I'll tell you what I can do really well is a, is a country accent, but we'll, we'll go there another time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being on the Copley Relationship Advice podcast, Robin. Appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me, sweetie. I'm really appreciative. I'm so appreciative and um, excited to talk to you. For those listening, Robin is the founder and CEO of Real Love Ready. And you might have heard this from the event in Bloom, which is one of the world's leading relationship summits. Last year, Bloom had Esther Perel, and this year in Bloom will feature some of the rock stars of relationship space, Dr. Gabor Mate, Gillian Turecki, Dr. Jess O'Reilly, The Angry Therapist, John Kim, Denny Logan, and Todd Baratz, just to name a few. This is all happening April 12th to 14th in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm going, you should go. And we're going to put the links down below, Robin, doing you a solid there as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Tim. When you say um, world leading relationship conference summit, like um, I, that's where I think that's where we are now. Um, and it's so exciting to be there. I mean, I had a dream of this many years ago and to see it coming to fruition year after year. It's, um, it's incredible, actually. I'm very, very grateful. Uh, last Last year, I started to move more from the tech into more wanting to become more, gain more expertise around relationships. The tech side of building an app and a product is really, really hard. We started to get mm -hmm. that part down. And I realized that I wanted now to have the absolute best of the best info into in the product. And so I started to Google and search for relationship summits. I thought there'd be an absolute shitload out there. And I was completely thrilled to, dis to discover that yours is the biggest, the best, and it's on my doorstep in a global sense. <laughs> a mere six-hour flight away from Toronto to Vancouver, but still in the right. same country. It's in Canada. Uh, yeah. It's in Canada, which was yeah. so exciting to find. I'd love to hear about this journey. I'd love to hear about where the idea came from, where you came from, and how you got into this space. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, you know, there, obviously our journeys are just full of experiences and how do we get to where we are now? Um, the idea actually came to me when I was with one of my best friends, Jenny, we attended the, I can do it. Hay house conference in Vancouver in 2013. So that's 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, 2024. Wow. And we were there, you know, I, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Carolyn Mace, Marianne Williamson, like all of my very favorite um, spiritual leaders and teachers took the stage for three days. And I walked away. It's funny, that night, um, the first night, we're sitting in the hotel room and I said to Jenny, like, I, one day, I'm going to host my own. I can do it. Like, I, I see myself leading the stage, bringing together um I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be relationship experts at the time, but it was bringing people together to learn because we would leave our day and 
just be full of these insights, right? Mm. It's like life-changing stuff. You're learning. It's almost like relearning stuff. It's like, I needed to know, I needed to hear that again. Or mm. and you walk away with these light bulb moments or inspirations and you're like, this is how my life has to change here and now, right? So it was so impactful. And I'm like, and I know out of the hundreds of people that were there, we all walked away with some huge learnings. And I was like, I want, I want to do that. I want, I want to lead that. And um, and I felt very confident that one day I would do that. So that was 2013, and and then I became a matchmaker. Who like that? And that that just kind of came out of nowhere, like in my life as well, because I was working as a realtor at the time, yeah. not feeling 100 percent fulfilled. And my twin brother, hearing my story of me trying to set up my best friend with all these men that she was moving to Victoria. And I was like turning my passion for trying to find her husband into like my part-time job on the side. <laughs> so I was like calling all my friends, like talking to my dentist, my, my, you know, my lawyer. Um, I'd be, you know, calling all my other friends in Victoria and saying, who do you know that's single? Because my, my friend is moving here and we got to set her up. I'm going to help her find a husband. And within six months, I had all these men lined up that I had interviewed and it turned into a passion and something like, I was like, I'm going to turn this into a career. So I became a certified matchmaker. What is the um, certification? What, are you, what, is, what is involved in becoming a certified matchmaker? Well, there is, um, it's, it's now different. It's called something different. But in New York City, Lisa Clampett had started um, the Matchmaking Institute. And she, she built a whole course. It, it was a year-long course that I took. You know the binder's this thick. It's kind of like taking my real estate license. Like it was, yeah. it was heck. It was, it was heavy. I'm telling you, this wasn't like some light stuff, right? And I paid for the database software because you want people to sign up to meet your matches. Um, I flew to Denver, took a week long course with Rachel Greenwald, who's one of the top matchmakers in the world. So I was studying under the the best of the best to become. You know, I wanted to learn how to do this properly, not just fly by the night. So I did that. And this led to coming back to, I loved doing matchmaking and date coaching, but it was one-on-one. -on -one. And I was still led by this coming together, bringing people together for learning in communion, learning together and how impactful that can be when we are in person and the energy that, that's around that, um, organizing full day two, three days learnings. Like you, you it's like you're, it's like you're in school for three days, mm. right? And you're not just taking another course or signing up for another webinar. Um, there's something that really happened last year in Vancouver at our first in-person. I've held three virtuals before that. And I, and I believe during COVID we, we all, that's all we could do was do virtual learning. 100%. Um, but having the in-person experience is, is pretty profound. So this is where, um, the summit idea um, has now evolved into, and we're doing it yearly, and it's um it's it's exciting stuff. I'm going to get more into the relationship stuff in a second, but I still got a few more questions on matchmaking. Yeah, people listening to this, pretty much our whole audience is in a relationship, but they're in relationship. If they're listening to this, they're doing relationship work. Hopefully, their relationships are in a good state, maybe even an enviable state, and they're using coupley probably. <laughs> which means that hopefully yes. they work on the communication and these are like conscious relationship people. And I think when you have people that are in a conscious relationship, normally 
hopefully you have a good relationship and then people come to you and they think, oh, you've got a good relationship. Can you set me up with someone? <laughs> so are there any tips that you can give to our audience around matchmaking? Any tips around matchmaking? Mm, things, things to watch out for as you introduce your friends to other people. Perhaps you're introducing one of your girlfriends to one of your husband's friends or your boyfriend's friends or someone from work. What are the, some of the do's and don'ts that you suggest? I, I think I think what it comes down to is I've had to learn this as well because I'm just starting my dating journey. I mean, I'm going through my second divorce and I, I am... I literally this morning put myself on hinge. I'm like, oh brother, here we go. And like, who knows sure. if this is gonna work? But I'm like, I'm in that place where I'm open and curious. Yeah. Um, I think all too often it's like we're looking for the one and putting so much pressure on that ideal that you're getting lost in the whole in that fantasy that we all that most of us in North America grew up in a lot of countries. Mm. It's like this, this whole th idea of um, Prince Charming or your princess or your queen that's just going to appear, right? Because you're ready and, you know, law of attraction, all, you know, on the spiritual side of it, like, oh, okay, like it's going to be the one. Way too much pressure. So I would tell my clients, you're going in curious, you're going in open, you're going to show up as your best self, you're going to be present, put your phone away, ask lots of questions and just enjoy that time. I also, I also, you know, I mean, I'm also like still obviously in the dating relationship life world. So I'm, I, I also talk to different matchmakers and dating coaches in my life with work. And they're like, first date, probably not on, don't go to dinner. Like you might know within the first 10 minutes, like not my person. So make it light, go for a walk. Hey, and I'm not interested. I'm, I'm going, my car's that way. Bye. Like nice to know you and be honest and genuine and kind, respectful, but I think we're just, I think we need to also value time. Take your time, take it slow, right? You, it takes a long time to get to know someone. More than one, more than two, more than three, more than four dates. And I, we can't put too much pressure on each other, right? The other thing that I would always say is, unless it was a complete disaster, if you have anything, you, you know, like, let's just like, sometimes you just know, like that person is so not for me. Like, I, like, you're just like, absolutely not. However, there there's, you know, sometimes you can put up walls and you might discard somebody after the first date where actually the conversation was flowing pretty well. Um, they were quite interesting to talk to like, Oh, they're really kind. They were really kind to them. And I didn't find them really, really super hot, but decently attractive. All right. Give it a second date. Give it a third date. Right. 100%. And yeah. in terms of finding people, are there any, any things that you can suggest when we're doing introductions? This is one that I've like struggled with. Should, should we introduce friends, like single friends of friends? Yes. Or not? Yes. The answer is always yes. The answer okay. is always yes. Um, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times we're not, we're not um, actually, giving our single friends and family, people around us, um, enough of that grace. Because like, if, I, if I'm single, like, okay, Tim, do you know anybody in Victoria or close to that is a really sing great single guy that you'd like to introduce me to that you're thinking, actually, I do know somebody who lives in Vancouver. Great, I might wanna, I might wanna meet him. 
So that's me asking you straight out. But a lot of people won't do that. They don't have the courage. But I also think it's like, yes, the answer is yes. If you if you know somebody that's single and you think, oh, I, I would I think that person might be a good match for them, make the introduction, make it happen. Because I think anybody that wants a partner, they want help with it too. Like sometimes they're living in a silo, you know? Mm-hmm. They feel like they're just mm-hmm. having to do it all on their own. And I think the more support, the better. One of the one of the things you said around the attraction thing, I think is really interesting, just around people being hot or not, because I think our first take on people, it so often changes. And you can meet people that you think, oh, this person's so good looking. And then as you get to know them a bit better, your whole, you just don't feel the same way. You're like, oh, how do they drop from a 10 to a six? And it's because they've said a bunch of things that don't really align with right. your values. Or the more you get to know them, you're like, oh, this person really isn't my cup of tea. And they just start dropping right? points. And I think um, that that uh, that just speaks to what I was saying before. Like, you can't judge. It's such a cliche, but it's true. You can't yeah. judge a book by its cover. I mean, somebody can be like super hot physically, like on a screen or even in person. And then you start talking to them, you're like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the ick. <laughs> and the opposite is so true. Or, or the, the opposite the is opposite, true. Exactly. The opposite is so true. Where someone initially you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure. But the more you get to know them, yeah. it's the way they hold themselves, the way they speak, their stories. Yes. Just Or just their mind, just the, their mind frame and the way that they're approaching things. And you can be like, gosh, this is such a, an attractive person. I yes. I always find that so fascinating. So fascinating. Something I would reinforce so much, and, I, and matchmakers and date coaches are saying the same over and over, is um, you have to get rid of your type because there's billions of people in this world and there are so many people that you can be attracted to. So forget about the height. Forget about the career that you want him or her or they to have. Um, it's, you're, you're putting these superficial, um, qualities on the top of your list. That's BS because in the end of the day, you don't know the package or the characteristics or the personality that your partner is going to show up with. Be open and understand that you can be attracted to so many different types of people, right? And it's how they make you feel at the end of the day. Uh, we surveyed our audience on this. So we had 2000 responses mm-hmm. making this, um, statistically relevant for the U S and 49% of our audience, uh, were not initially attracted to their partner, which is absolutely massive. Uh, wow. Massive number. I love uh, that. Yeah. That points to the truth of the matter, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny. It was, so this, this is a funny story for me. Just if you don't mind, I'll tell it because it has about to do with my first husband. We were together for 15 years and I love him very much. We're like, we're still close. We have a great relationship, like raising our kids. So, um, but when I first met him, I was backpacking in Australia. We were, I was in my early twenties and we, I saw him many times because he was running the internet shop. Back then, we didn't have we didn't have cell phones. We had internet shops where we'd go and like communicate over Yahoo or Hotmail with our family and friends. Right, <laughs> so, <well>. yeah. <laughs> those are the days. <laughs> Anyways, um, I did not find him attractive. Like I, he was kind of like just a, a person that I saw, and he was acquaint like you know it's kind of like that acquaintance level. But fast forward a year and a half later, and I'm living across in Ontario, like so provinces over from where I grew up. And I saw him randomly on a night out. Um, I'm dancing on on the dance floor and I see this guy that I met in Australia 
And I couldn't not believe it. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Like he, he's from Australia. Like I, so I didn't realize he was Canadian. Like I didn't really have, I didn't talk to the guy really. And, and things just kind of took off from there. Right. But that just points to the fact that like he would not have been my type, like my type, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we ended up spending like 15 years together. So like, you just never know. It's bizarre when we bump into someone who we've met somewhere else in a completely different I know. I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I live here. I'm like, what do you mean? Me too? <laughs> I think this happened to me before. I was, uh, it, this is, okay. So I have to tell this story and put it in its time. So this is like 2006 where being tanned was a thing. So don't picture Tim now. Yeah. Picture <laughs> Tim with double diamond earrings, Abercrombie and Fitch shirt, and like a mullet, like a British mullet that we used to yes. straighten the back. I can kind of see it right now, Tim. I can kind of oh, see it. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Peak Tim. And but being tanned was like a very big thing. We, yeah. I think we knew it was bad for us, but we just did it anyway. <laughs> so I was going to the tanning salon in down my local high street in a village in London. And um, the tanning salon, this tanning salon attendant, whatever, would have some banter. Didn't really think about it. Fast forward a year later, I'm in a nightclub in Thailand and I bump into someone and uh, it's, it's, it's her. And I was like, what, what are you doing? Wow. Wow. I, I literally bumped into someone. I was like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. And then I looked and I was like, wait a second, what are you doing her. here? Very random. Very I really, I, no, but I, I do, I do love that because I believe in, I believe in like synchronicities and miracles and how we're meant to meet people all people that we meet. It's like this, um, it's not random. So I have, I have a very strong belief in that. And that's the other thing that I was coaching my clients on is um, understanding that whether they believe it or not, this person that you're going to meet on this date is meant to be coming across your path. And they may be there to um, teach you something. You may be there to teach them something. It might just be that, oh, actually, this is not who I'm looking for. Or maybe it's like that person has somebody else they could introduce you to. So it's like just recognizing that, um, just trying to um, recognize the beauty in our situations. When you started to get into more of the relationship space, what led to you putting on this first event because you went from matchmaking, it's still in the love space. It's kind of yeah. like a logical next step, isn't it? I think I had very similar trajectory. I got divorced. I used dating apps. I was like, oh my goodness, these dating apps are very, very good at what they do for meeting people. Where was mm -hmm. the app to help me in my relationship when I needed help? There wasn't one, built one. Now we have Coupley. I love uh, that. Did, did you have a similar journey? Yeah. So. What happened for me was that, um, I, you know, over after, while I was working as a matchmaker, my twin brother passed away very suddenly. And two years later, my dad passed away very suddenly. Two of the most oh, important sorry. people in my life, two of the most important men in my life. And I was taken off my career path, like for, I'm going to say four years, like legit because I was taking care of their estates. I was their executor. And those of you who have never been in that role and you don't know anything about it, it's a full-time job for a lot of people. And it's something you legally obligated have to do unless you give up that obligation and pass it on to a lawyer, right? Which I wasn't willing to do. That's, these are 
my family members. So that was a good four years of my life. And when I was ready to come back to my own life and my own passions, um, I didn't know what to do. I wanted, I knew I wanted to have my own business again. It wasn't in matchmaking, but it was a love space because I'm so invested in having good relationships in my life. And I know what an intimate partnership can bring to someone's life. Like we're wired for connection, right? And I think we're wired for intimate partnership. So what do I do about that, right? And I wanted, and I also wanted to hold these events. So um, Danielle Laporte and I have been in each other's lives in different business capacities and work together and we have mutu a mutual friend. And, and I knew that she does a lot of business coaching. And so I got in touch with her and I said, Danielle, can we please spend the day together and you can strategize with me. I'll pay you for your time. And she's, you know, a spiritual guru. She's got a very successful practice with her work and doing education um, and being such a teacher in this world. And she said, yep. So we sat in her living room and we just brainstormed. She asked me a million questions about where I was at, what I wanted to do, where my passions were. And, and really we riffed for like four hours about like, mm -hmm what my next business would be. And I shared with her my passion with I, about I can do it one day. And also the fact that I've got love coaching and matchmaking and an entrepreneurial background. And she's like, well, how about this? And we, we really, we even let that day came up with real love ready is the name. You can believe it. That's and awesome. within six months, I was hosting my first summit, virtual summit. So like, that's where, that's where it all came into one. What are some of the things that you've learned, the biggest relationship lessons that you've learned hosting the summit, listening to the experts? Biggest relationship lessons I've learned. Like I, I, I have, gosh, Tim, it's like, I've learned, I've learned so many. Um, I think what it comes down to is really knowing yourself really well. That's a, that is, you know, and that's not easy to do. That's not easy to like do some regular, consistent, heavy duty introspection and understanding like, what are my core values? What is the most important thing to me? And am I aligned with the relationships that are closest to me around my, around my values? And I, cause I want to have a partner that, that shares my, my key values. Um, what else I've learned is like the power of vulnerability and being, being, being vulnerable within yourself and with others. It's like, I think about even just with the people like my brother, for instance, like, I think mm. the more vulnerable I am and honest with him about how I'm feeling and how like, this is because we, we haven't had, like, we've had, we have struggles, we have conflicts. Um, and all of that is learning for me, but it's like the more honest I am about how I'm feeling and the, like the deeper, the more deeper I can go within, like, this is the core issue that brings us closer. So vulnerability, right? Sue, Sue Johnson talks about this. I mean, I love her book, hold me tight. And I've worked with, oh my God, I love Sue so much. And she's all about getting to the meat of it. Like, and it's just like, that's where it is. It's like, if you're fighting all the time about your partner works too much and they're not you're feeling like, what the hell, man? You're coming home at seven o'clock every night. The house is a mess. 
I'm the like I, I've been trying to you know take care of this house by myself. The kids, I'm taking care of the kids. I'm driving them everywhere. I'm doing all the heavy lifting in this house, and he's going. I'm I'm exhausted, and I just want to sit on the couch for like half an hour, forty five minutes, and de deep decompress, and then. But you know what I mean? There's like you can you can kind of understand that dynamic because I think mm -hmm. this happens in different ways in relationships. <laughs> what is the core issue here? Right, the core issue is like she's feeling unsupported. She misses him. She's feeling like she needs a partner in this life and she's not getting it, right? Like they both have their two sides, but it's, that's another thing that even Terry Real talks about. It's not you and me, it's us. How can we come back to what are the deepest, deepest, deepest core issues here around connection? So getting to the very like root of it. Yeah. That, that is true vulnerability. There's almost like levels. So the first level yeah. is even voicing a complaint. That first version that you said, a lot of people don't even get to that, Robin. They will just be like, oh, guess I'm at the bottom of the list again. And then the partner will say, right. sorry. And, and they'll say, you know what? doesn't even matter. Whatever. Dinners. I'm not make yourself dinner. I'm going to watch TV downstairs. Like that's the extent of the communication. The yeah. second level will be at least voicing the uh, a complaint. The third level is starting to use the I statements. Maybe the fourth level is getting into this really, really deep as, deep, as deep as you can, being like, this is how I'm feeling. And then their partner is saying, wow, I get it. This is why I'm doing it. I'm I'm worried about our, our money, or I know that the we've got to extend the house, or we need to put Charlie into hockey next year and i've got to do this what those are when you start getting into the real meat and you can actually solve things because a lot of people think that being vulnerable is just voicing a complaint and it, and i think you've illustrated so beautifully how you can go much deeper than that and i thank you and i also um i am i'm i'm somebody that i'm okay with having hard conversations i'm mm. i think i'm really strong at being vulnerable in my relationships, um, I'm all, and I'm also about repair. So I think that's the other thing, right? I mean, and as hard as it was, even in my, my second marriage is like, I feel like I was the one most often like needing and wanting that repair as quickly as possible. Like, I don't want to be in conflict. It feels awful. Right. Yeah. Um, the repair is so important and on a, on, on a very, on a very deep level though, like talking about it from that another, another layer underneath, where is the issue that keeps coming up and how can we go beyond that? Right. So that we both feel secure again and know that we're going to change if we have to. And, and feeling like your partner is going to be open to a having that conversation and b making a change. If it's once you've had the conversation, once you've had a hard conversation, uh, are they receptive or is it you that needs to change maybe but something needs to change if it's not working for one person maybe after they get into it that makes sense what they're saying you can agree with it i understand why this is happening cool we still our relationship is still changed even if we've just managed to go deeper and get into the real meat of it in in the repair um something i've really learned as well in this journey similar to you is that it's okay to be in conflict and it's okay. I, it, it's, I don't have to fix it right away. That has been right. something that I think has been really hard for me and something that I've learned 
definitely over this year is like, I have a great relationship. We're good. It's natural that we're going to have, get into conflict about things. And it doesn't always need to be talked to death immediately. It, we can, we can let it sit for a bit. That's all right. Uh, that has definitely been a learning that I've had. We have a little, me and my partner have a little bit more of the anxious avoidant. And I think we're very rare in which I'm more of an anxious and she's more of an avoidant. So letting her have some space to process things has been a game changer. <laughs> Whereas right. I, I always thought that I was in the right because I was trying to fix things, actually giving everyone some space and then us coming to, to it and talking it out with calmer heads. Wow. I didn't realize how, how much she appreciates that and how good it's been for our relationship. Yes. Yeah, you understand your partner and she understands you. And um, you're also, you also have a great foundation of trust in like, it's not a make it or break it. Your conflict is not going to break you, right? Your relationship is still secure. And yes, relationships, it's inevitable that you're going to fight. You're going to, you're going to be, you're different people. Of course, you're going to have conflict. It's just nature. But I think we also have to understand that too. If you, just because you're having an argument over something and you're you have different opinions, that doesn't mean your relationship's not great and strong, mm. right? It was this moment for me where I was feeling a bit worried. I was like, "Oh, I we're in a bit of an argument. My 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 partner wants time to process. I was like, I can't just check and be like, look, are you ready to talk about this now? I've given it some time. I go in and I see that she's uh, researching Airbnbs that we have for like a vacation like months away. I was like, are you ready to talk about things? It's like, I'm really, I really don't want to talk about this right now. I'm like, cool. But then the fact that I can see her like doing her, like planning and organizing for vacation, I was like, okay, good. Okay. We're okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but see, I just, I just love that because that right there, as the Gottmans would call it, is a bid for connection. Like you're, you're just yeah. checking in. You're not, there's no pressure yeah. here, babe. But, and she's like, no, I'm not ready. Okay, great. You respect that. Okay. I'm out. Like, but that right there is like, you're, you're saying like, whenever you're ready, it's like, so you're on, but you're honoring where she's at. I just, I think that's just all like a beautiful example of, um, like, that's just beautiful. So way to go. 10 points. There you go. <laughs> have, have there been any surprises for you on the way? Any, any things that you had, patterns that you thought were right? Kind of like what I'm saying with my fix it immediately mentality that I've, it was a big surprise to me that it's okay to, for things not to be okay for a little bit. Any surprises that you've had on the way? Um, I, you know, um, I'm, I'm dealing with one right now with my, my divorce and yeah. Um, what I was reflecting on this morning, I've got a group of three women that I meet with regularly. Um, we call we're called soul circle and we come together and we just share what's going on in our lives. And it's just such a supportive, a supportive circle. And I was reflecting on my battle, my internal battle of the religious background that I'm, that I was raised with, like mm -hmm. be a good girl be loving, be kind. You know, I was raised Catholic. So be like, you know, turn the other cheek, treat others the way you want to be treated. I get the golden rule. Trust me, I get it. But it can go a little bit far when you're like trying to be the most loving, kind person and also and generous and all those things. Right. But then right now I'm battling with somebody that is trying to take advantage of me. Mm. And and so boundaries and also just standing up for what's right, like 
standing up when things are just, that is not okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, but Robin, you are generous. You are kind. Like maybe you're not looking at this in the right way. And, and maybe like, it'll get, no. Right. So I've been getting counsel from my friends and like, you know, you know, my family that are like looking at the situation going like, Robin, you are a loving, kind person, but what he's doing is not okay. And I think I was, I've been tainted in my belief systems. They have to change. So the people, ple- I don't know if it's people pleasing, but it was like, it's like this, um, trying, trying to be somebody I'm not, I'm not Jesus Christ for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the purpose here, people. I'm not here to be Jesus Christ. I'm here to be Robin Ducharme. <laughs> <laughs> what would Jesus do? Well, probably not this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, I'm learning. It's, it's a real hard one because you don't want, people don't want to do things that make them feel bad as well. And if you have this underlying structure underneath it that you've kind of been working through, it's probably led to so many amazing moments in your life. And it is, it is ultimately a very good thing. But as soon as someone takes advantage of it, you start to feel it in your gut, right? You just feel, oh, yeah. it feels slightly off, but it's your pattern. And so you stick to it. And then, because you know that you're doing the, you're being a good person. And if you're not being a good person, then that's going to make you feel bad. And you don't really want to feel bad. So then you kind of take that mini L. But at some point, those L's begin to add up. And shout out to a, a therapist friend of mine, Christina Vero, who did a great video just on this, where she talks about the moment when things cross the line into ridiculousness. And all of a sudden, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like the line snaps. And it's bad because it's ridiculous, but it's good because all of a sudden you're free and you, you can look and be like, oh, wow, no, this is ridiculous. Or your friends tell you, honey, this is ridiculous. Or your friends say, dude, this is insane. This is yes. okay. And you know what? Like, that's where we're at. We're at the ridiculous line and it has snapped. That is a really great analogy. What does the L stand for? Learning? Uh, taking L's. I think it, I think it stands for losses, but maybe it's okay. learnings as well. Maybe it okay. stands for both. <laughs> yeah. 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 We've crossed the line and it's now completely freaking ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah. that's when you really know. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a very good learning. I'm like, and I love the fact that it's all happened pretty quick too. Oh, thank goodness. Even though, goodness. yeah, quick learnings are hard to take, but they're good because I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> and, and, and looking back, what has been some of the biggest things that you've struggled with in relationships? I know we talked about the, these boundaries. Are there any other areas in your personal life that you're like, okay, these are some areas that I want to learn. These are some areas that I want to grow. Like, you know, I look back on my short um, second marriage and I'm like, there were, there were red flags in the beginning that I... I ignored. Yeah. Gosh darn it. Um, you know, I we didn't align in the fact that like my my friends and family are the most important thing to me. And there's a lot of people in this world that might say that, but are they actually living that? 
you know, Paul Brunson, I love this man. I, I want Paul Brunson, if you're hearing this, you have to come to our summit next year. I know you're busy, but you gotta be booked. I love him so much. Like he's just such a fantastic human and he's a great teacher. And he talks about how somebody's values, they might identify these values like friends and family or healthy, healthy living and um, having invested in being invested in their career, whatever else. Okay. And he says a good way to see if people are living their values is to um, ask them or even spend time with them. What are they doing after work? What are they doing on the weekends? How are they spending their free time? Are they on the couch playing video games for two days? Are they just hunkering down by themselves doing whatever? Um, I don't know what, what other examples I could give, but when I'm not working, um, I'm with my family and friends like that's, or I'm calling, we're talking, we're communicating. Like, like I'm just, if I'm on trips, I'm going with the people I love. Like I just have very important relationships and I, and I spend time nurturing those. And that was not aligned with my partner. Um, he doesn't hang out with friends. He doesn't have close relationships with his family. And, and so our, I became quite isolated a little bit, quite a little bit, because it's like he, those things weren't aligned with us. And so, but you're with your partner and it's, anyways, that just didn't, it didn't sit right. And I should have paid attention to that. That, that to me now is like so important that whoever I'm with next, that value has to be aligned. And it's stated versus revealed as well. So you can Stated versus revealed. Exactly. State anything you like. Oh, I'm, I'm a family person, but what is actually being revealed by the person's behavior? It's so important to look at actions over words. It? <laughs> it sure is. You can see so much by actions over words. And I think we miss this. We'll miss it so much if we rush, if we try and rush things. And if you're yes. someone who sees the best in people, if you're an optimist, you can also just sort of paint things with that optimistic brush. And I've been guilty of this myself as well. I know for sure that that's what I did. Um, I also like talk about rush. Like this is why I say like, let's take our time getting to know somebody because trust is built. Um, and you like, you, you're not gonna, you, you can't get to know somebody for until a, a lot of time together with somebody, like the real them. And it's she true is. for me. Like you're not gonna know yeah. me and how I, how I am in relationship until you spend a lot of time with me. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I painted that brush. Trust me. I'm a very positive, optimistic person and loving and everything else. And I was just like, he's all those things, mm -hmm. but actually I painted that brush way too soon, you know, and I jumped in too soon. So I'm going to take my time next way. time. I, I, I've seen this so much with uh, some of my friends who really dive headfirst into a relationship. And the first date will be like, 15 hour first date well, they'll go for coffee, but then they'll go and do this and go and do this and go and do this. Yeah. And then the next, the next day they're picking the person up and they're, and they're going to do this. And then that weekend they're doing something and it ends up being these sort of three week or four week flame outs. They end up getting a big argument with the person on week, on week three and a half. And I have to be like, dude, like just chill out. Like just, just take it easy. You can't shortcut right. your way to knowing someone. And the no. first two years is still going to be very hormonal neuroreceptors. Neuro it's going to be very much so like this chemistry. 
And then as that stuff starts to fade, oh gosh, now you, the real person is going to be revealed under our optimism paint <laughs> and you have to see who the real person is underneath and then the relationship work yep. begins. But I've definitely seen people, we are still wired for the whirlwind romance, I think. I think we're still wild, wired for that whirlwind love story. I agree. I agree. We want it, right? We want it so bad. Unfortunately, we're our worst enemy because we're putting way too much expectation on this person that we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the reason it's hard. I think it's hardwired into us. Look. Oh, I yeah. You, at some point, we were, we're wired case. to mate and connect. Yes. And, hold. and we do yes. and and do it and do it fast, right? Yeah. Do it fast. You meet this handsome hunter. Um, and then you are off with them, building your own little house within a few weeks and, and having kids. And then it's fine if that relationship ends in two years when we were, when we were cavemen, it, it, it wasn't as big a deal. Uh, but now we are in this serial monogamy culture, typically. And when we have all our assets intertwined, it, it becomes tougher. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really curious about what is the rest of your year looking like, Robin? Have you set some goals? Are you an intentions person? How are you approaching 2024? So um, I was just talking to my friends about this earlier and I'm, uh, my, my resolution, but this is not a year. This is the rest of my life. <laughs> I was like, um, I am working to um, uh, uncover and get to know and like befriend my inner critic because like she's like, she's really mean and she, <laughs> she, she speaks very ill of me. And it's like, I have to stop this. I have to be kinder to myself and like just speak to myself just the way I would people I love. And just in general, just like, like that is the criticism and all the blame and the shame there's a place for that sometimes, of course, but it's not, it doesn't need to be ongoing. So I really, I really need to be kinder to myself. So that's my, res my resolution. It's not just one year. It's until my last day of breath. <laughs> um, and like business wise, like we've just got a lot of plans with Real of Ready. We're doing our summit in April. We're launching um, courses and working doing our IG inter like every year we, or every week we do um, live interviews on IG with our experts. The podcast continues. And my goal is to collaborate on a deeper level with the relationship experts that I already work with and bring their work to the world so that it's more um, like what I do is I curate the best of the best, all the learnings that are going to be the most impactful for us to have better relationships and collaborate and together, hopefully I'll be the source, the place where you can come to as with Coupley. Um, and we can like help each other get better at love because I really don't think there's anything more important than that. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Are there any final things that you'd like to share or end on with the Coupley audience? Well, I would um, I thank you for listening and I hope that everybody's gonna join us at the summit. And I'm so glad you're coming, Tim. You've got a table. You're going to be talking about Cuffly. And you're, you're gifting everyone um, a year membership, which is like so incredibly generous. And I'm, thank you for that. Um, and anybody can come virtually. We've got endless tickets. So you can, you, that, but I really hope people come in person in Vancouver. So either way, come. I just hope you join in Bloom.
you heard it. And if you'd like to find out more about In Bloom, all of the links are below in the show notes. So please check out the Eventbrite, check out the YouTube, check out the Instagram. Robin leads really cool Instagram lives, like she said, uh, with the leading relationship experts of the world. Thank you so much for being on the Relationship Advice Podcast, Robin. It's been an absolute Thank you, Tim. It's been you. so fun. I always love talking to you, so thank you. <laughs> Amazing.